TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. That clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here. On TuneIn, go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. After investing billions to light up our network, T-Mobile is America's largest 5G network. Plus, right now, you can switch, keep your phone, and we'll pay it off up to $800. See how you can save on every plan versus Verizon and AT&T at T-Mobile.com slash across America. Up to four lines via virtual prepaid card. Allowed 15 days. Qualifying unlocked device credit service ported 90 plus days with device and eligible carrier and timely redemption required. Card has no cash access and expires in six months. Welcome, welcome, welcome to Steel Talk, and I'm your host, Geraldine Steele. It is what I love to do is sit here and be with you on a Sunday night, and oh, what a glorious night it is. I hope you have enjoyed your weekend. I hope you found peace on this weekend and that you look forward to tomorrow. Of course, Jonathan Law is our in-studio producer and so much more. How you doing, Jonathan? I'm, uh, I'm hanging in there. How are you tonight? <laughs> I'm doing well. How did the conversation go? I believe that was uh, live right here on WCCO. Yes, uh, the debate was uh, between uh, Ms. Crockett, Candidate Crockett, and uh, Secretary of State Simon. And it, uh, uh, there were technical issues, but other than the technical issues, it was a, uh, uh, a good back and forth and good conversation and good uh, uh, information given by both sides of the, argu- of, of the election cycle so yeah it's going to be argument so you can use that word (laughs) they will be arguing at some point you know it used to be a time when um there were certain rules about debating and we still have some of those rules but a lot of people don't pay attention to them they just go at it you know it's almost like the person who because we're talking about the election right yes the the main points of the debate tonight were focused on election integrity election security um, mm-hmm. trying to make sure everybody was represented uh, that did get to vote. What's the best way to go about uh, making voting better, making voting clearer and more efficient as we go forward? You know, um, Friday night I was on Almanac at uh, TPT, Twin Cities Public Television, and I'm the entertainment reporter on there, and I really enjoyed um, um, being on that night. However, there was a guest that came in to talk about the elections and, you know, how do you make sure that it's safe for everyone, that everyone will trust it, that sort of thing, those kind of questions. And the gentleman that was there, you know, he had a lot of information, a lot of good information for us. But at the end of it, he was saying, you know, sometimes when you've got, some people say, you know, I got every every vote counts and every vote counts, but, you know, if I've got, I think he said either a 1,000 or a 100,000, forgive me for not remembering, um, but he said, you know, if, if, if I had that many left over and the election was almost done, I would just, you know, forget about that. And I said to him as he was walking out, I said, excuse me, sir, but every vote is supposed to count. And if every vote is supposed to count, how can you make that statement? Right. And of course, there was no time for us. He needed to get out of the studio and I needed to go to an, to interview the guest. Uh, but I cannot tell you, I've not had that off of my mind yet, uh, because that is my fear is that people really may think even those that don't mean any harm. You know, when you're so close and they, you feel like, well, you know, it's too late to get these in. The, this was the deadline. It's just too late. So and then we just forego them. How can we do that? <laughs> I just don't know. So did you hear anything about that in the um discussion that you could mention i i there was no there was no take on it that was 
to be honest, in my opinion, that extreme. Um, like you said, this goes to the bedrock of the country. And that's why when you see all the coverage that happens election night, they can do projections. They project people to win, but they need still need to have all the votes come in. If this had happened in 1948, Harry Truman probably wouldn't have been president. You know, Dewey defeats Truman was the, I believe, the Chicago Tribune headline uh, the night of the election. And so for that person to suggest it, 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 it I agree. It's, it's a disturbing thought to, to think that and to have someone who may have some influence over uh, election viability and that and the like saying that that's in this country that's not okay yeah that first time that um president obama obama won i i remember i think it was fox news that declared he was the winner and i think it just shocked everyone it was just like fox news just said that obama won if i have this correct correct me if you think this is wrong but um i remember something like that and i remember how excited i was i hope this is the truth let it be the truth and then i also remember the time when trump was announced um, president and how I can't remember what state it was that announced it first, um, but there were you know people just kind of going what I actually had to leave the house and go sing. I sang with the choir that night, a choir I had never sang with before. I just said, "Can I step in and sing with you guys?" <laughs> I sang my heart out because I was just so nervous about it all. So when it comes to the election uh, every year, we should all be engaged way before then. And so I'm really happy that this was broadcasted tonight here on WCCO. And we're going to hear more and more about, you know, these elections as they're coming up. This is the middle midterm uh, election that's happening in November. And I just hope we can't say it enough just to remind people, just keep saying it, just keep saying it, because really people have to know. The last time I did that, when I went out with my I Voted um, sticker on, and I'll never forget passing a group of young people. And I was like, hey, you guys, you're old enough to vote. Are you going to vote? Vote. And I, they were like, what? And they kept walking. And then I saw a young man and I said, sir, have you, have you voted? And he goes, oh, it's the presidential election? And I said, no, 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 this is the midterms. And he went, oh, okay, I'll do that. I'll do that. I said, you, you really think you will? He says, ma'am, I'm going to do my best. So I don't know if, if we're just not getting the message out far enough. Maybe we're relying on, on the wrong type of uh, technology to get the word out. We depend on television and radio and door-to-door, but maybe it's Instagram and all the rest of the social media places where you need to have it being said. What do you think? I have to disagree with you when you talk about the um, when you talk about the, the ads and, and the, uh, the word getting out, the word spreading and getting out mm-hmm. about these. Uh, the mid the midterm elections, especially, I would say maybe in an off year like last year in twenty in twenty twenty one, you don't hear a lot about it then. But I think with midterms and with presidential years, I think you do hear it, and I think you hear it increasingly more because there is and and I've said this really for the past ten years, probably since two thousand twelve. There is no off uh, election cycle. You don't get a break. You don't get three months out from one election. After uh, then, then here comes the next thing where people are campaigning and issues are being brought up, and all of this. It is to me a constant cycle of of mind numbing 
<laughs> ads that go one way or another, and it just starts to ramp up. You can't go five minutes in a commercial cycle without seeing two or three ads right now. You can't. Right, right. Yeah, but at the same time, I have to admit that um, I think we need those ads. We need to have it where people are hearing it because it's amazing how many people don't watch the television I watch. They watch a whole nother different set of shows and they like to, you know, get on Prime Video and Amazon, all of this stuff. Are they all going to have it out there for them to you know, remember I, that you have to vote so that these young people can get that I, message? I'm telling you right now, the same commercial that you see. Let, I'll give you an example here. I have YouTube TV. On the local channels on YouTube TV, on 4, 5, 9, and 11, and I believe on the, on the off channels, like 23 and 45 and 29, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you get the commercials that come over locally. And, of course, you'll get all those ads there. If I go to the quote-unquote cable channels or the premium channels, like your ESPN, your TNT and TBS, your Turner stations, your HGTV or Food Network, your uh, not to mention your CNN, uh, MSNBC or Fox News, they don't play the commercials, the same commercials that play over if you would have, let's say, uh, cable, if you had Xfinity. They will bring in other commercials and play different things that maybe are more com- uh, uh, channel-centric. So... If you're watching something on Turner, they may have other other shows that come on Turner. You see them everywhere. You see them if you go on a YouTube video to click the video. And one out of every three, it seems, hey, I've got a message for you. I need you to donate to this, da-da-da-da-da. They're everywhere. You can't escape them. They are it's everywhere, like the Walking Jonathan, Dead. at the same time. Zombies Not everywhere. Not every one of those spots are actually um, being in front of certain communities, right? So whether it's young people between the ages of 18 and 21, they're going to get a whole nother set, right? They're not going to get the set that I'm going to get or you're going to get. They're going to get a whole nother set of commercials because they're really trying to hone in on that particular age group. Now, does that work is the big question. I think there's a general set. I think there are uh, age-specific ones, yes. But I think there is also a specific general set of of ads that go out to everybody that that are just blanket. I would love to know if that's true. I would love to know if that's true. I I can't tell because I don't I don't have any kids, so I got no kids yeah, at home. Yeah, but you said you believe theory. you believe I believe it. Is, yes, yeah, I believe I, it. I, I can't I can't test it as fact. In my I think own, we home. are very good in this country at honing in on a certain group of people. And they will get those ads out where they know those people are. It's not like a blanket for everybody, you know. It's just not. It used to be. It used to be. I remember sitting down in front of the television, you know, when when certain elections were going on. My father was really engaged in that. He and my mother, you know, watching and trying to hear it on the radio and know that what was going on and what was happening and who to follow. And our churches would always open up, particularly our our, um, denomination. They would always allow those in Gary, Indiana, who were running for offices or in the state of Indiana, they would welcome them to come to the church and actually say what they needed to say. However, they only had a few minutes, maybe five, 
maybe five minutes, and they had to make sure they were addressing the church, right? Addressing the church, and they would have questions for them if they didn't want to address it themselves. So this has been going on for a long time, and so there are certain groups that get certain people, and there are other groups that get other people. All I'm saying is, is that every age group has to be engaged unless you are a child, you know, <laughs> like if you're four years old. Come on. You don't you don't think the eight year old vote counts? You don't think you don't think Big Bird and Sesame Street aren't going to get out there and say, hey, you know, get your mommy, daddy, you know, to, to help out. You know, I do think that um, uh, those type of shows will absolutely inspire them and they will be the ones to help them I'm, think about votes in the future. I'm telling you, the SpongeBob the vote is the SpongeBob vote uh, block is very big this year. Very big. I'm glad that you're making fun of it, and, and you can laugh at that. I'm I can't sorry. laugh I'm at that sorry. because of it's, what is happening. I, I cannot laugh at that, though, Jonathan. I'm very That's not serious. Funny. I'm serious. We are about talking it, about, but, but we we're talking about the next generations that are going to vote. If we start today, letting them know what that means, you know, you go and get your seven year old child that loves to read books, and you find out, uh, you know, what kind of a, uh, 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 will they talk about? What kind of book can I get for them that makes sense for them to talk about elections and why it's important? And I think the reason why so many young people are not into elections anymore is because they've been discouraged. You remember the Rock the Vote when it was Jay-Z? I oh, think absolutely. it was Jay-Z oh, and, and Rock uh, the Vote's Puff been around since, Rock the Vote's been around since the early 90s. Yeah, but what I'm saying is it was one of the most successful. Yes. Those young, pe- young yes. people came out in droves. Why can't we continue that? I think, I think we are trying – I think people are trying to – but it is a different age, and you have to do about it in a different way. I think when you see what the 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 students at Parkland High after they went through that mass shooting, what they started to do in their cause, I, I think you get kids or, or children coming out in in different ways for different subjects for different causes. For voting overall, I don't think maybe you've seen that yet, but I think in I think there's a uh, a group of youngsters that are very very passionate about it, and I don't think this is going to this is going to subside or die off because you do have high school children and every and these type of students that are very passionate about it, and they're going to keep something in the they're going to keep it forefront. But we got a break. We are we are past time. We got a break. That's all on you. Let's take a break. We'll be back. Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. Back clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. Yes, and even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here. On TuneIn, go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only twenty-five dollars a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile, get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for twenty-five bucks per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Welcome back, everyone. It is now 727 here at WCCO. 
Love that you join us, you support us, you believe in us, and we hope that we will not let you down. My goodness, this is the season, isn't it? We're talking about elections all over again, and oh my gosh, as we keep hearing more and more, seeing more and more, watching them on television, listening on the radio, it's just amazing. It is amazing how difficult it can be for some and very easy for others. Is it easy for you, Jonathan? Do you um, decide early on that who exactly who you're going to vote for? I, I, and I've always said this. I don't stay as engaged as I should, but I do. I I I want to take more advantage of the early opportunities to vote, and I think it's a an important thing. And I talked about this years ago with Esme Murphy. Um, the fact that some people just want to confine election day to one day and twelve to fourteen, fifteen hours. Unless you're going to make certain that people can get the time to participate mm-hmm. in the exercise, then you're kind of cutting off your nose to spite your face. You're cutting off the ability for people to participate in in, in what we need to do and in, in who we need to, to vote for to make this whole thing work. And so the fact that there is early voting – if it's two weeks, if it's five weeks, if it's six weeks, I think that's a good thing because we want we project. We say this all the time. You know, this is this is a democracy or a democratic republic, whatever you want to call it, and we allow everyone to have the opportunity to get involved in the process. Well, the the expansion of this has allowed more people to get involved in the process. Yeah. Is that a good thing for you? Absolutely. Okay. I'm glad to hear that because we need as many outlets as we can get to get the message out there. That is for sure. That is absolutely for sure. Plus, I don't want you sending me a slap in the box. So. <laughs> really? Come on. You would bring that up. I've, Just I've, raise it. Where did I've, you get it from? The back of your neck or what? Where did that come from? Hey, I've been working with you for the better part of 12 years now. I know how you threaten your Has son. I know how you threaten me. I do not threaten him. <laughs> oh, my gosh, Jonathan. I know we have to take a break. But uh, seriously, dude, it's it's so important. I just want to make sure that people really understand how important it is. It, it is just like a budget. You know, when our state is doing their budgets, it's a moral document. You know, it it speaks to what our leaders believe we need or want and then decide on what they're going to do about it. And that decision can hurt people or help people. There's there's not much in between. Do you agree with that? Yes, I agree with that. Yeah. Okay, we got to take a break, don't we? We do. We got to get to the rest of your show. (laughs) Okay, fine. We'll be back in a moment. Welcome back, everyone. Welcome to Steel Talking. I'm your host, Geraldine Steele. It is what I love to do is be here with you on a Sunday night. And I am very excited to start out our first guest tonight. Her name is Dr. Mary Curtin. Let me tell you a little bit about why we are speaking with her. Well, the war in Ukraine continues to experience many pivot points that could affect not just Eastern Europe, but the world at large. I hope everyone hears that, the world at large. The latest salvo in this conflict occurred on Friday when Russia President 
Vladimir Putin, uh, a claim to annex several regions of eastern Ukraine. So where does it go from here? That's why we've invited diplomat in residence, Dr. Mary Curtin, to join us tonight to talk about the conflict. The Global Policy Area Chair at the University of Minnesota's Humphrey School of Public Affairs is joining us now on the John Schuster Caldwell Banker Hotline. How are you, Dr. Mary Curtin? I'm fine, thank you. Thank you for having me on tonight. First of all, knowing that you uh, understand what is happening far more than many Minnesotans, I just want to get your take on it and and figure out how is it that you sleep at night, because knowing you know far more than we know. So tell us how what, what it is that we are really experiencing and what do you believe about it? So I am one of those people who often literally does not sleep at night because As you may know, I lived in Poland for four years, right next to Ukraine, and understand how dangerous this situation is for the people of Ukraine and for all of Europe. Um, But also, as you said, for the the rest of the world, we're already seeing, for example, famine uh, that already was bad in, say, parts of Africa being made worse by the fact that it is very difficult for farmers in Ukraine to grow their crops and then to get them out to the world. So it, it is a problem that is already impacting broad swaths of the world. And those parts of the world are going to eventually get to us. For me, I feel as though whether we are Americans or whomever we are across the world, we don't quite understand or really believe necessarily that we are one as the United States. Has this Mm -hmm. been, you know, with the rest of the world is what I mean. Um, Has this been a real challenge for you as you watch all of this unfold? People are thinking of us in a different way than they did maybe 30 years ago. So I think, you know, I think it's really complicated, obviously, just like our, say, domestic situation or the world situation. I think that um, before all this started and with a lot of the, you know, back and forth in terms of administrations the last few years, I think that there probably was a doubt um, in in countries in Europe and maybe even in Vladimir Putin's mind about whether or not the United States would really support Ukraine if Russia invaded, because this is something that's been talked about and Russia has threatened for a long time. And so I think a lot of people um, have been very surprised at how strong the support has been in the United States. And even though there are many Americans who don't support giving the aid, the large amount of support, I think, has really struck Ukrainians, and it has come in all different forms. We've focused on a lot in the news on military aid, but the United States has also given a lot of economic support, um, providing assistance to refugees, um, providing uh, food support to parts of the world that haven't been getting Ukraine's uh, grain like they usually do. And so I think I think in, in general, people have been happy to see um, that that most Americans support the the difficult decision to continue to provide Ukraine with what they need because it's their war and they're fighting it, but they have been very grateful for what they have gotten. So then how does that affect us giving what we're giving to them and them taking that? We're not getting anything back from them necessarily. We're helping an ally, basically. Am I correct with that? Um, yeah, we're not, I mean, they're not 
right now, Ukraine, for example, is not buying the equipment that we are providing to them um, in the way that, say, other countries do. And so I think this is one of those times when what we get from it isn't isn't a tangible thing. Um, I think that for the United States, economically and politically, um, you know, having um, to start with a Europe that is not at war, that is at peace, has been very good for the United States economically and politically over the last 70 years. That um, uh, that a strong Ukraine that um, can, you know, determine its own destiny and that um, that is part of the global economy, whose people are part of the global democratic community, community of democracies, not political party. Um, I think that that is good for the United States. And um, it, it, to the extent that we live in a more dangerous world where the likes of Vladimir Putin um, can try or claim that he's annexing parts of another country, then that makes it less less safe for the United States. And so even though we don't get something directly in return, I think that um, um, what we get is a more secure world, even though right now it doesn't feel that way um, right. because of Putin's threats. So. Okay, so here's the thing. You know, when this war first started, uh, many Americans mm-hmm. were asking the question, why are we getting involved? Mm-hmm. Can you answer mm-hmm. that question in a clear way? Because there have been so many different answers to that that many of us are a bit confused, including me. Okay, so I think for me, um, I think a really important reason why we are getting involved is to send the signal that Someone like Putin, who clearly has obviously has no respect for um, the boundaries of neighboring independent countries, um, who has no respect for um, even, you know, the just human life, you know, the way that he has bombarded civilians that that and, and this is not to say the United States has never made any mistakes. Right. But. To, to say that it's, it's okay and we don't care if someone like Putin just sets out to take over and dominate other countries, um, it creates a world in which that's how everything gets, how the, how the rules get made by whoever is, has the sort of audacity and the power to dominate their neighbors. And the, the, the benefits to us, to the United States, are somewhat indirect, but having a world of chaos and war is, is not good for us. Um, some of it's about economics, and some of it is just about a sense of security or actual security, I think, that, um, that, that means that... Um, sorry about that. Um, no problem. That means that... Um, if, if we just stand by and if we accept Putin's argument that this is his neighborhood and he can do whatever he wants, then that opens the door for others in the world who make those same kind of claims. And so I think that as difficult as it is, we have a lot of problems here in the United States 
that also need to get solved, um, but that as a large superpower who has, which has um, engagements around the world, I think this is a really extreme case that demands a response from us. I agree with you on that. I want to let people know if you're just joining in um, and listening to Steel Talking, we are joined with Dr. Mary Kirtland, Diplomat in Residence and Global Policy Area Chair at the Humphrey School of Public Affairs at the University of Minnesota. We're so happy to have you here. Let's talk about um, the offenses that have already happened, or the, I'm sorry, the counteroffenses that Ukraine has mm-hmm. made reclaiming some of the cities. I mean, we were really excited about that as Americans, learning that things were going to get better and things are getting worse. Uh, at this moment, um, is it possible for them to turn it around considering the moves that Russia has made recently? So um, I think that it is possible. And one thing that I think is really important to look at is the political leadership in Ukraine and the united civilian support that is there that means that the assistance that we have provided over many years, not just this year, can be seen, the results can be seen in the way in which they're fighting, the the really uh, smart use of the weapons that they have been provided, and the clear, um, the, you know, a lot of military strategists are looking at what they're doing and saying, wow, this is really smart, it's really interesting. And even though Putin made his big announcement the other day that he was annexing territory, just right. over the last two days now, Ukraine has um, recaptured another critical city and appears to be on the move toward two or three more. And so it's one thing for Putin to announce that he's annexing territory, and it's another thing for him to actually control that. His military is, is in bad shape, um, and the Ukrainians are really motivated. You know, they have that sort of intangible desire, you know, to really, it's their home, you know, they don't want to be taken over by Russia. Um, But, you know, Putin, we, we live in a very dangerous world, though, and we have to take seriously his threats. Um, And I think that our leadership and Ukrainian leadership are, are taking those into consideration. But the Ukrainian military is doing a remarkable job. They are. And I have to tell you, now we're seeing these horrible images on uh, television or wherever you get your information, where we are seeing them, you know, wrangling all of these young people, making them go into to fight Ukraine. And a lot of these young people are running for their lives. They are even killing them if they refuse to join. Uh, I find that so remarkable and so sick. Uh, and, and as you watch some of the video that we've seen a few times, it's just, it breaks your heart. Um, so mm-hmm. I'm just wondering, how does America make the decision? Or, or how do you see them making the decision to get involved in that part of this war? So I don't think that the United States can get involved in what is happening internally in Ukraine. It is heart-wrenching to watch it. And especially since, in a lot of cases, it's it's the ethnic minorities in Russia who are being dragged out to be conscripted, and it's some of the wealthier people who are able to escape, right? But I think that I think that I believe that President Biden has made 
some really clear limits to what the United States will and won't do. He doesn't want the United States to get into a direct war with Russia. And as heartbreaking as it is, I, I don't think that it would be smart or would help anything for the United States to try somehow to engage with those conscription efforts. Um, it, it's, it is enough, I think, to help Ukraine and to help it deal with the even more horrific things that we have seen have happened in Ukraine in the areas that the Russians occupied. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's an incredibly complex situation. And, um, you know, and I do think that the goal of trying to stay out of a direct conflict with Russia ourselves is a, is a good goal. Um, well, I have so many more questions for you. I wish we had more time, Dr. Mary Kirtland. Thank you so much for joining us tonight. So appreciated, and I hope to have you on again. Yeah, well, thank you for um, having me on. It's really an honor to talk to you, and uh, I'm happy to talk anytime. Thank you. Take care and have a great evening. Thanks, you too. All right, everyone. That was Dr. Mary Curtin, diplomat in residence and Global Policy Area Chair at the Humphrey School of Public Affairs at the University of Minnesota. We're going to take a break, and we'll be back in a moment. It is now 7.54 here at WCCO. I do want to mention uh, in an article from NBC today, the headline says, Ukraine retakes a key city Putin claimed to have annexed. Well, here's why it matters, it says in this article. And when, as I read down, it says that the recapture, recapture of Lehman, I call it Lyman for some reason, represents a symbolic and strategic victory for Kiev, which vowed its forces would push deeper into occupied ter- territory after forcing Moscow's military into its latest bloody and humiliating retreat that Western officials and observers said Russia's um, loss of a logistics hub key to the supply of forces in the South and East was a significant development that could pave the way for more. Here's the thing for me, uh, Jonathan, I keep hearing uh, different stories about what Russia is doing versus what Ukraine is doing. And it's really quite interesting. I don't know what to believe all the time because the capture, the headlines always seem to capture you. And as you get into some of the stories, then you start asking, oh, maybe this is not what I was looking for. But I will say that it has been quite amazing for us to even see on television, television some of the things that are coming out of Russia. Are you surprised at that at all? No, no, um, because because this is what happens when you have state-run television. This is what happens in places like China. This is what happens in places like North Korea. This is what happens in places where you have this this government-exclusively-run type of media machine that they can't – there can't be dissent. If, it, if there's dissent, that shows weakness. We can't have weakness here. We've, we have to show – the the government this and and trust me when i talk about government in this light it's different from the government of the united states uh it's different from what we do and and as dr curtin said we've done some bad stuff as well we aren't clean our hands aren't clean as a country but that is different than what you will find in government controlled media in some of these other countries around the world they, they, they cannot put the government in a negative light at all. 
And so you don't have the accountability. You don't have people being held to account because everything is being run in, a, in its own cycle. Well, I absolutely know that. Of course, I went to Russia with um, a dear friend, a woman that was our producer. Her name is Marianne Moore, and she changed my life. That whole trip to Russia, we went to Moscow and Sochi, changed my life, where I had the militia following my husband and I all over um, whatever area we were at, whether it was Gorky Park, wherever we were, it was absolutely disturbing. So, no, I know exactly what that feels like, and I, I cannot say that I would ever want to feel that again. So, yes, Ukraine, I understand. I am, I'm hoping for them, praying for them, um, that, that this will end and end soon. All right, we'll be back for the 8 o'clock hour. Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively sports. The clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. It's better over here. After investing billions to light up our network, T-Mobile is America's largest 5G network. Plus, right now, you can switch, keep your phone, and we'll pay it off up to $800. See how you can save on every plan versus Verizon and AT&T at T-Mobile.com slash across America. Up to four lines via virtual prepaid card. Allow 15 days. Qualifying unlocked device credit service ported 90 plus days with device and eligible carrier and timely redemption required. Card has no cash access and expires in six months. 